You've got courage to lead. Courage to lead. Be brave and be bold. Welcome to the Courage to Leap and Lead podcast, where each of our guests share the stories of courage that helped them become powerful leaders. Before we start today's show, please remember to visit courage-consulting.com, where you can find all the episodes and other excellent resources, all at courage-consulting.com. Now, here's your host, Leadership Courage Coach, C.B. Bowman. So, let me go here if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it was a fairly homogenized group of people um, that, that came together. How did the children acclimate when they went back into the world, quote unquote, and met people of color, you know, people with different cultural backgrounds? How did, how did that work for them? Well, so at the time, actually, I lived in one of the neighborhoods in Chicago that's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the world. So, you know, while you might think that we were all kind of the same, you know, like white, upper middle class or whatever families that were coming together, we were, we were living at the time in a neighborhood where I would go to the park with my kids and there'd be children from all over the world speaking all kinds of languages, people of all colors, people from lots of different backgrounds and also like socioeconomic differences as well. So I think that one of the kind of upsides was at the same time that I had maybe a, a co-op group homeschooling that were like similar. My kids also took classes in the Chicago uh, public park system where they would meet lots of different kids. Um, you know, I can't speak for how it was for anybody else's kids, but I, I feel like, you know, one of the benefits of living in a city compared to where I live now is that our kids were always around lots of people who were different from them and, and having the chance. Uh, at one time, there was a little girl and her mother barely spoke English. She spoke Russian and we befriended them in the park and the girls would always play. Um, and it, it really wasn't unusual for me to be at the park with my kids and hear five or six different languages spoken at any, at any given time. So were your children, um, very inquisitive because this is not an environment that they were educated in? Were they? Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't really recall so much. Um, in a way, I almost think like that was normal. That was that was their first experience was being at the park with lots of different people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think unlike like living in the suburbs where we live now, there is not a lot of diversity where I live. And there's not a lot of diversity even in the public school systems that my kids are a part of. So there was way more diversity in our Chicago neighborhood, you know? Yeah, yeah. I understand that compared to where I am in Colorado. <laughs> I so. Yeah, I understand that. So, okay. So then after the homeschooling, um, were you working at the same time? Did I miss that? I, well, so I only began to work toward the tail end of that. So um, my youngest was maybe about two years old, CB, when my husband asked me, hey, Becky, what do you think you want to do for a career when the kids are all in school? And I kind of laughed um, because I think I told you, CB, that when I was younger in my 20s, I didn't really have a vision for a career. Yes. I just, I wasn't super ambitious. I didn't really 
you know, know what, like what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, and so fast forward to about 2008 or 2009, I was in my later thirties at the time. And, you know, having been out of the workforce for so long, it can be scary for women to think like, well, what skills do I have to contribute? I had certainly been working hard and learning things in those years, but I wasn't sure how that would translate to a job. And uh, at the time, the only thing that I could come up with was that I liked to write. Um, so I decided that I would try my hand at some freelance writing. And one of the first opportunities I got was um, I wrote an article for Chicago Parent Magazine about the co-op, the preschool co-op that I had yes, started. Yes, let, yes, Let other parents know about that because it was something that I knew about. Um, and that was really thrilling to be able to get that placement. I don't remember if I got paid for it or not, but, you know, just being able to see my story in, in the paper, for sure. Um, from that, I happened to get an opportunity through a Facebook friend and a connection from um, high school, incidentally. And I ended up getting some freelance work for a university in West Virginia. And I got the chance to write some web copy. And then, you know, partway through that journey, my contact at the university said, well, have you ever thought about writing a blog? Um, so the background is that this particular university had a an online um, bachelor for organizational leadership and also a master's for organizational leadership. And they were looking to start a blog that would attract students to their program. So uh -huh. said, well, how do you feel about writing about something that you know nothing about? And I, I took offense to that. Like, what do you mean? I don't know anything about leadership. Huh? I remember that part of your book. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean? I don't know anything about leadership. I know something about leadership. So at any rate, um, it was through that opportunity to write that leadership blog that I started to learn how to use social media marketing. I started to learn how to use, at the time, it was mostly like Twitter and Facebook. And of course, later on, I learned about LinkedIn and other channels. But that was really kind of the beginning for me on the journey that I'm on now. Wow. So <clears throat> for people who have not read the book yet, you've had a fascinating life thus far, and I know it will continue to be fascinating. You help a lot of people, a lot of people who are stuck from your book. You help a lot of people who spend a lot of time and heart writing their book. You help them get the word out, which is so important to authors. Tell us about how you're doing because I, I know the answer to this because I happen to read your emails and blogs, but how are you doing? Well, you know, today I feel great. Um, I had a three-day weekend. I got a lot of sleep. Um, in general, I think when I look back on my journey as a business owner, one of the things I haven't ever really figured out is how to keep the right kind of boundaries and balance with work and home and making sure that I you know, give enough attention to my own kind of rest and breaks. Um, I've been in business now 11 years. And, you know, if I went back and looked at my Google calendar over the last 11 years, I haven't taken enough days off. I haven't, you know, allowed myself kind of the space to refresh and re-energize myself. Uh, funny story for ECB, Friday night, I was sitting, I can't even remember what I was doing, maybe journaling or something. And my phone rang and it was my stepdad. And he was calling because he read my newsletter and he was concerned about me. Now, first of all, like I didn't know that my stepdad was a subscriber to my newsletter. And maybe if I'd known that I wouldn't have written the, the two recent newsletters that I wrote about 
feeling burned out and worn out because I certainly wouldn't have wanted to get the end result of my stepdad calling me on the phone to check in on me. Um, I've had a few other people like send me text messages or reach out. Um, I must say when I read the first one, I said, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah. And, I, and then the second one came out and I said, bravo, bravo. Yeah, well, I, you know, I guess more people are reading the newsletter than I thought, but here's the thing, like, I think that it's important to normalize the fact that we do need breaks and we do need rest and biz building a business is a lot of work. You know, um, there's a lot of pressure at times there, you know, I remember maybe about three years into my business, I remember saying to a friend or a coach, like, I feel like I'm in a pressure cooker, yes. like, and you know, for someone who like me who decides to build a business and when it's more than just a solo business where like whatever income I get is for me, like I'm, I've built a company with employees and of course it's not huge, but we have uh, right now 10 or 12 employees and about 10 or 15 more contractors. So as the owner of the company and as the leader of my firm, like, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of people and their well-being, and I'm honored to be responsible for them. Um, but certainly like part of my being open about burnout in this season is because if I am modeling to each of those people that we just keep working, even when we're tired or that we keep working and we don't take breaks, they're not going to have the energy to serve our clients over the long haul either. So I hope by being open about Hey, I'm tired. Hey, I need a break. Hey, I need a bit, a bit more space in my life. Hopefully that will enable not only my team who sees it, but also others to be able to recognize uh, that, that it's, that it's okay and human to need, need a break and need rest. I had an email that I received from one of my newsletter subscribers, and she is an accomplished consultant and coach. And she wrote to me and said, for 45 years, I haven't taken a break or how, I mean, so, and she thanked me for sharing that. So I, I'm sure that she's not the only one who, you know, needed to hear, like, it's okay to admit that you're human. So I will share with you that um, what you did was so touching. Um, I recently, I'm one of these people that never takes a vacation. And, um, Last year, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And so it's been a stressful journey to support him because we're newlyweds. Yeah. Amazing. Three years. And I thought, okay, I can do this. This is just fine. You know, I can handle this. <clears throat> and then my body started to break down and I couldn't figure out why because I've never had that happen before. I mean, I, I seem to flourish on stress, but it was a different kind of stress. And I think we particularly as women and men too, we need to recognize the stress and then there is stress. And I never thought about the difference. This stress brought me to my knees. And I just thought, oh yeah, I'm gonna sail through this like I have done and you know, 
my own little business is not like yours and um, it'll be fine. And then all kinds of weird stuff started happening to me. And I could not figure it out. My doctors couldn't figure it out. And finally, thank God for this podcast. I had a woman on who's very successful in business. And she told me that she went to typical Western doctors and she had a medical problem. They couldn't figure out what it was. So finally, she found out about a functional doctor, which for those of you who are listening who are not sure of the difference, um, a Western doctor treats you from the top down. Here's the pill, take it, you'll be better. A functional doctor, which is an Eastern doctor, treats you from the bottom up. Let's look at the body system in total and figure out what part of the body is causing whatever it is that's happening. Hmm. And I said, you know what? I am tired of, you know, going to people that don't have the answers. And trust me, I have an incredible Western doctor. I mean, he was able to tell us that my husband had cancer before, way before the male doctors. And one of the things she said to me is, CB, you have a lot of stress going on. And I said, there's nothing new about that. She said, uh-uh, mm-hmm. different kind of stress. You're worried about somebody you love now and his ability to be with you for the rest of your life. And I stopped and I thought, and I said, holy cow. I mean, there's different kinds of stress and I'm reacting to this. And I thought I was doing quite well. She said, yeah, well, that's the problem. (laughs) Now my husband, knock on wood, is in remission. And I said to him, so what do you think, what do you think would make me a better wife? His response was, stop working so hard. I was quite upset at that response. I thought, wait a second, when we met, I was working this hard. So, I mean, you knew what you were getting when Mm -hmm. I proposed to you. (laughs) You proposed to him. I did. I sure did. I read that book from Steve Harvey. What is it? Think like a man, act like a woman. Mm -hmm. I knew on the second date, this guy was it. So I told him he had a year to propose. That's another story. And so um, what I did, and I'm I'm telling the story because I think it's something that women need to think about trying, may not work. And so I sat down at my computer, I took my calendar and I closed off time. Now, it is a bit stressful to try to manage the time that's not closed off. I will admit to it. But I said, you're going to have to do something. Keep your marriage. Keep your health. I close off three days a week for two hours. And I'm learning to play pickleball. That's fun. I have heard that pickleball is a blast. It's hard as hell. <laughs> I, I love it. It's hard. It's not something. So I'm, I'm the per- kind of person that I have to win. 
<laughs> so is my husband, by the way. And I cannot master this because I am not athletic. And when I first was told about it, I said, but I can't even catch a ball. Now I find myself actually hitting the ball over to the other side. And it's to me, it's just the most amazing experience. And I'm, I'm very competitive, hmm. but it's like, damn it, I didn't win. I didn't win. And my coach says, CB, it's about having fun. I said, no, it's about winning. <laughs> so I, I have to move to the fun part. Mm -hmm. I absolutely am addicted to it now. And so I recommend that people just take, even if it's an hour, half an hour. Now, it could be a half an hour in the morning, a half an hour in the afternoon. Close your office at three o'clock, not five o'clock. And I mean, in your last call at three o'clock. Because then you have the quiet time to catch up with what you've missed when you have your personal time. And you can go to five, six, seven o'clock and not feel like, you know, it's all there. So this is my advice for you. And my advice for other women, um, we need to admit to our strengths. We also need to admit when it's time to take time for ourselves and for the people around us mm -hmm. in a different way. What I'm trying to do actually over the rest of the summer CB is I'm blocking an extra full day every single week, whether it's a full work day or whether it's two half work days to give myself some space that I haven't had for a while. And uh, I think this is maybe the third week, although yesterday was a holiday. So I, I'm not taking an extra day besides the fact that we were closed yesterday. But um, otherwise, uh, this might be the third week in a row that I've done that. So- And how do you feel? I'm starting to feel that it's going to make a difference. Um, but honestly, there are so many not neglected projects at my house even that, like it's going to take me the summer and I probably still won't get them all completed. So okay. it's fine. It's fine. That's why I said to my husband, housekeeper, we need housekeeper. Can we afford one? No, but we need one. <laughs> sure. I'm so glad that you're doing this for yourself and take up pickleball, take up something. <laughs> You know, I'm a runner, so I, I mostly use my exercise time to run. I am considering, um, I have not run a full marathon since before the pandemic. My last actual race in a marathon was 2019, but I'm considering training for a fall race. Don't consider it. Do it. There's a lot of time in marathon training, CB, a lot. So if I'm going to run a marathon, probably at the height of my training, I'll need to run 30 to 40 miles a week. And if you think that like a 10 minute mile is probably fast for me in training, that's like 400 uh, minutes a week if I were running, you know, for 40 miles. So 400 minutes a week is you know, several hours every week that I'd be devoting to training. And so you're taking off a day a week. Yes. How many hours a week do you need to train for this? <clears throat> for a marathon, pro let's see, 60, 60 minutes in an hour. I'm trying to do the math. Probably like six to eight hours a week is what it would take to train for a marathon. So that day you're taking off. 
you would be training. Spreading it out, for sure. Yes, not housework or anything else, but training. So I will be you, I volunteer audience to be her accountability coach. Ah, for this marathon that I'm going to run this fall. Okay. Well, the funny thing is, I think that one of the things that caused stress, and it it was a joyful use of time, um, but this past school year, my daughter, she's been in school and it's 30 minutes away, and I would drive her to and from school. So quite often I was fitting two hours of driving into a work day, like trying to fit in a work day plus two hours of driving to drive her there and back. It took eight to nine hours a week of my time. Happily, she now has a driver's license. So there is a break um, for me there, which is really helpful. And she couldn't take a bus? No, there isn't a bus for this particular school. Um, we did have some friends that helped. So where normally, you know, to and from school, that would be 10 hours a week since it's 30 minutes away there and back. I didn't have to do all 10 trips. I would do like eight or nine of the trips every week. Um, but that was something else that kind of added pressure, which is part sure. of where I found myself where I found myself, which is just a little bit worn, worn out or yeah. maybe more than a little bit worn out. Yeah, I get it. But now on to next. Yes. Uh, he has a driver's license. You have the time and I will be your accountability coach. Okay. All right. I'm going to take you up on that. Okay. So we're going to figure out how that's going to work to make you happy and.